0: Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello. Hi. How's it going? All right, y'all. Welcome to uh, something new. So for those of you who are confused or who um, don't follow along on Instagram, and if you don't, what's wrong with you? Get on that Insta, get on that Facebook, at Ross Safari. Uh, But I recently have been talking to some people about changing up the format a little bit uh, for the podcast, and uh, everyone seemed really into it. So I posted a poll asking if there would be some interest in me changing the format from two interview shows a week to one interview show every week, and then one episode of Ross Safari Zoo News, where I bring news and conservation stories uh, that I find from the week to you all in short little digestible audio clips, kind of like The Daily, except it's weekly and it's news for zoos and conservation. Well, I posted the poll and I expected it to be pretty split, and I was shocked. I had a couple hundred people who partook, and 94% of you said that this was a great idea. I also got comments from a couple of my patrons. Don't forget, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Rossafari and some other donors and some other just kind of power listeners that I, I know have never missed an episode. And every single one of those comments was positive. So we're going to try this. I, I made the new intro, had a lot of fun doing it. I know the accent isn't great, but kind of on brand, right? And um. And now we're going to try and do some some safari Zoo news for y'all. Uh, so this will be once a week, and we'll see how it goes. If people aren't downloading it or if I get a ton of negatives, I may switch the format back. But to be completely honest with you, I wanted to give it a shot, and I think it's kind of a cool idea. Because of how podcasts and owning podcast names and everything works, uh, these will just be in your regular feed. I'm not going to start this as a separate podcast. Um, so, yeah, it'll just show up for you, and, and you can listen or not, and, and let me know what you think. Now, obviously, if we stick with this format, um, it's going to grow, it's going to evolve, just like the original show did. Keep in mind that when I started the original, there was no Poop Story theme song, there was no Interrupting John, there was none of the stuff that you've all come to love. Heck, I didn't even tell people that the word credits backwards is Steiderk, like I do at the end of many episodes now. So this will evolve as well, and um, that's actually something that y'all can help me with. If you have ideas for how to make this type of episode cooler or more listenable or interesting in any way, let me know. Also, for this to work, I'm going to need your help. I follow who I follow. I know who I know in the zoo world, and I can bring you a lot of information and a lot of news, but... It's really only going to be scratching the surface. So if you read or hear about any cool conservation news or see something that's newsworthy from a zoo that you love, tag me in it, at Safari, Let me know. Shoot me an email. Send me a message. Call me maybe. As a matter of fact, if you want to record a segment on your phone and send the audio to me, I can just splice it right in and you can become a safari news correspondent. Let me know first, we'll talk through details, but uh, that would be something that I would really, really love to get some new voices on here and not make me so monotonous. All right, well, I feel like that's enough of an intro, so without further ado, here is this week's Zoom. I want to start today's news by giving a shout-out to Roger Williams Park Zoo up in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, Roger Williams Park Zoo had a fundraising goal recently for a Providence area campaign called 401 Gives, and they more than reached their fundraising goal. How did they do this? By communicating with people through social media using pictures and videos of their matchy's tree kangaroos. I mean, is there a better way than using tree kangaroos to get some love? I think this is such an awesome thing because they used an adorable species, but also one that's not super well known, to raise awareness not only of their uh, financial needs, but Of the species in question. In this case, one of my favorites, adorable tree kangaroos. If you don't know, look them up. You will fall in love. So uh, I just wanted to give some props to Roger Williams Park Zoo for hitting their fundraising goal at a time when that is not exactly easy to do, and also a quick reminder that Roger Williams Park Zoo is going to be doing an Asian Lantern Spectacular from April 15th to July 4th. I've been looking at some of their stuff on social media, and it looks like it's going to be beautiful and be very animal-focused, lots of lanterns of animals, which I guess it's kind of weird when you can see the real thing at the zoo. But, you know, hey, more animals is more animals. So if you're in the area, make sure you go check that out. Throwing it all the way across the country to San Diego. And okay, y'all, this one is not exactly a news story. It's it's from the beginning of March, but I think it's actually really cool and really important. So I did want to bring your attention to it. And I guess since technically this is my first zoo news, uh, anything Before today counts. Right. Uh, Anyway, so the San Diego Zoo and San Diego Zoo Safari Park uh, have always been a part of San Diego Zoo Global. That's the organization that runs all of them and their uh, conservation efforts and all that good stuff. Well, they decided to go through a rebranding and are now known as the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. And I just I love that. Um, One of the cool things about it is many of you probably know Zoology Rick on Instagram. Uh, Rick is the um, their kind of ambassador and he goes on TV and he does a lot of their videos and he is the face and voice of of the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. Well, he has had two other people join him on his team. So if you haven't yet, make sure you are following Zoology Lisa and Zoology Marco. Um, Marco and Lisa are both now officially... San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance Ambassadors, and they are really good follows, so if you are feeling the need to get some more animal content on there, once again, make sure you are following Zoology Rick, if you're not already, and then make sure you're following Zoology Lisa and Zoology Marco. The rebranding doesn't just come with new ambassadors, though, as there's also a new website, Alliance.org. and I... Really love what they have to say about all of this stuff. I'm going to read you a couple things from their page now. The San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance is an international nonprofit conservation organization with two front doors the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. We integrate wildlife health and care, science, and education to develop sustainable conservation solutions. I mean, how great is that? Their mission statement is, San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance is committed to saving species worldwide by uniting our expertise in animal care and conservation science with our dedication to inspiring passion for nature. Their vision is a world where all life thrives. And they have a brand new logo, which consists of a lion, a rhino, and a bird. It's uh, the California condor, but for whatever reason, they refer to it just as the bird. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Congrats to everyone involved in this major rebranding. I'm really excited to see the continued amazing work being done by this newly named, but obviously not new and obviously incredible organization. Some exciting news out of Knoxville this week, as it turns out that the Clayton Family Amphibian and Reptile Conservation Campus, known as the ARC is about ready to open. As a matter of fact, if you're a member of Zoo Knoxville, you can go for a special preview weekend on Friday, April 9th through Sunday, April 11th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Y'all, I saw this building being built. I was there kind of at the beginning and there again, closer to the end. It is a huge state-of-the-art building that is dedicated entirely to their herp collection and to conservation efforts. One of my favorite things that I've discovered doing this podcast, as, as many of you have heard on here, is that um, especially herp houses when they're larger, but a lot of the bigger buildings at zoos are split up between... The collection stuff and the -the behind-the-scenes collection stuff and conservation projects. I am really excited to see how this new building is going to allow Zoo Knoxville to uh, grow their conservation efforts. This has been the largest building project at Zoo Knoxville, and uh, they have knocked it out of the park. I cannot wait to get down there and check this place out for myself. Um, So it's split up into a couple of different things. They have amazing state-of-the-art, world-class uh, ha- habitats for their amphibians and reptiles. They also not only have conservation areas, but a lot of them are open to the public. Zoo Knoxville is taking the incredibly important step of educating the public on the -the behind-the-scenes conservation work that they are doing, which I guess means it's not behind-the-scenes anymore, which is kind of awesome. I mean, one of the purposes of safari is to bring that stuff to more public knowledge, so I'm really excited that Zoo Knoxville is taking this step. Um, On top of this, they also have what they are referring to as revolutionary STEM education resources. For those of you who don't know, STEM is science, technology engineering and mathematics and there's a big push right now to get children to have a stronger knowledge base in the STEM area um and especially uh with young ladies to make sure that they are not embarrassed to be great at math or technology or any of those things so um that's pretty awesome really excited that they are doing that at the zoo and then finally as every single herp house needs to do They are giving the otters an amazing new home. Otters are actually one of the, if not the most popular, herp species of Wait, what? Oh, I'm sorry. My editors are chiming in in my ear here. Turns out that otters are not reptiles or amphibians. Oh. Huh. Well, anyway, I guess they decided to use the outside of the building to give the otters an incredible new habitat, and that's pretty great, too. The best part of this... As any of you who listen to the podcast know, zoos do a lot of master planning, often looking as far as 10 years out for very specific plans. The ARC, well, it has been in discussions and worked on for 35 years. That's a true dedication to growth, taking care of animals, and conservation. Gotta love Zoo Knoxville. Now, for the next story, I don't know if any of you have heard of this small pesky disease called COVID that's raging through our nation right now, but if you have, know that one zoo decided to help. In Bridgeport, Connecticut last week, the Beardsley Zoo was the first place that a FEMA mobile vaccination trailer was rolled out. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont and the zoo director, Greg Dancho, were on hand to watch as citizens rolled into the zoo parking lot, got their shot, and then got to head on inside the zoo to see some amazing animals. I love this story not just because it um, is a zoo doing a good thing, but because, you know, zoos don't just exist for looking at pretty animals. They're not just for entertainment, but they are also for education. As again, I know you all know, but bear with me here because I think this is important. Scientific literacy matters, and belief in one science oftentimes helps somebody believe in another science. With all the questions of the science of the vaccines and biology in general, the ability to then go into a zoo and get even more critical thinking skills and learn even more sound science— It's just a really nice combination. I'm really, really excited that the people at Beardsley decided to do this, not only to bring awareness of their zoo, but also to help connect some of the scientific dots for people. Ha! And when you heard Beardsley Zoo, you thought that this was going to be a story about their new red panda, Barry, who's there to be a companion for Roshan. But you were wrong. I managed to go this whole time without even mentioning the fact that they have a brand new red panda named Barry who is awesome and adorable and worthy of a booped snoot. Good job, John. The Oakland Zoo is taking steps to ensure that their message of stopping illegal wildlife trade is reaching a large audience. They actually just launched a campaign and exhibit called Take Action Against the Illegal Wildlife Trade. That's right. The Oakland Zoo has set aside an entire area of their zoo to make an exhibit that is filled with actual contraband confiscated by the California Department of Fish and Wildlife taken through the illegal wildlife trade. Now, you guys know that this is really, really important, and one of the best things that zoos do is help promote people not partaking in this trade. But to my knowledge, this is the first time that there is a standing exhibit at a zoo talking about this. I love the fact that they actually have visuals because I think that a lot of visual learners learn better by seeing exhibits of the trade rather than just reading signs at animal exhibits because we all know people don't read the signs. It's it's really sad. As a matter of fact, there's a sign at the Naples Zoo that congratulates you for reading signs if you read that one because most people at zoos don't. So um, I just wanted to give props to the Oakland Zoo and you can check them out at Oakland Zoo on Instagram to see some pictures of the exhibit. It's really, really cool what they're doing and I'm, I'm really excited to see the impact that this has on younger generations. The North Carolina Zoo announced this week that despite the fact that 2020 sucked basically for everyone in all ways, that was not true for their frogs. That's right, y'all. The North Carolina Zoo happens to release thousands of amphibians back into the wild each year, both in North Carolina and around the globe. And last year was one of the most successful releases ever. One of the programs that I find most impressive is the Gopher Frog Headstarting Program. The gopher frog is an endangered species endemic to North Carolina, and right now there are only seven populations of them functioning in the state. That is not enough to continue to uh, fight off extinction. So every year since 2016, the North Carolina Zoo staff has helped the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission with head the gopher frogs. What this means is that they go out into the wild after breeding season, and they collect portions of the egg masses of frogs to bring to the zoo, where they are hatched and reared in a way that will make them okay for re-release, and then when they are a little bit larger, they are released back into the wild. In 2020 alone, there were almost 300 frogs that were taken to the zoo as little baby eggs. I guess just as eggs, you can't be a baby egg, and uh, grown to froglets and then released, putting the number at over 1,000 froglets released in the past four years. I am incredibly excited about this project because Head Starts are such a great idea. So many species, especially amphibians and reptiles, are able to do all right for themselves if they can make it to adulthood. But we all know that that's not the easiest thing in the world right now, especially with humans screwing everything up. So a zoo bringing these animals in and giving them that jump on life is just a huge way to help. I am just so excited and so proud of this zoo for doing this amazing work. And honestly, that's just one example of one zoo and one species. But even at the North Carolina Zoo, even still talking about amphibians, they do so much other amazing conservation work. For instance, the North Carolina Zoo has been breeding the Puerto Rican crested toad since 2015. Again, For release as a Head Start program. This is one of the programs that a lot of zoos had to cut back on because of funding issues last year when they were shut down for so many months. So there were two zoos in the country that continued this program, one of which was the North Carolina Zoo. They managed 40-plus Puerto Rican toads into quarantine procedures that led to breeding, then eggs hatch in one day, and then they get shipped down to Puerto Rico to start their lives. How cool is that? Of course, the work doesn't end when the animals are released in either of these cases, as the animals are tagged and tracked so that we also get a much better understanding of their natural histories, which will not only help make the conservation efforts even better, but also helps any species in captivity with living a better, more full life. Did you guys know that, by and large, humans are kind of bad for the environment i know i know controversial take here take a second let it sink in but it turns out it's true and this was illustrated again recently in florida where a wastewater pool lost its integrity and started leaking which led to citizens within a mile radius of the pool being evacuated from their homes The good news is that a catastrophic collapse was avoided because if that had happened, a wall of wastewater taller than many buildings would have shot forth from the pool in all directions, which is kind of a scary thought. But the bad news is that the way they were able to uh, stop the collapse was by pumping a bunch of the wastewater into local waterways. How much wastewater? 35 million gallons a day are being released into local waterways. That's right, 35 million gallons every single day. Wastewater, in this case, filled with phosphate. While many authority figures are patting themselves on the back for figuring out a way to avoid the total collapse of this pool, which has over 400 million gallons of toxic water held in it, but clearly not held safely, uh, there's going to be a serious environmental impact because of this. The water not only contains waste of phosphate, but also contains nutrients that can lead to algae blooms. Which, of course, kill a bunch of fish, which then will affect the species that eat fish, such as seabirds. The truth is, the effects of this one incident are going to be felt for years. But even scarier than that is the fact that we have a variety of wastewater pools all around the country with all kinds of unsafe stuff in them, crumbling foundations, and a lot of times mismanagement and a lack of proper funding to make sure the upkeep of these pools is done properly. With constant climate change issues leading to larger storms and unexpected temperatures in different places, this may be the first of many waste pool issues that are experienced around the country. We need to do better for our local wildlife. On a happier and more domestic front... A very interesting fact about dogs has recently been discovered, although this has not been verified yet. We believe that we finally understand what causes grape toxicity in dogs. And the best part is, we found out because of homemade Play-Doh. For a long time, we've understood that Grapes and raisins are toxic to dogs. You cannot feed them to your dogs or they will get sick. But weirdly, science has never been able to pinpoint exactly why that is. However, now we think we have the answer. We actually have a better understanding of what makes dogs sick than a lot of species because A, there are so many of them as pets, and B, so many of them will eat anything. Like, anything. Come on, dogs, get it together. Anyway, one thing that's pretty common that dogs eat is Play-Doh, including homemade Play-Doh. Now, apparently, I'm no expert here, but the way that you make homemade Play-Doh involves salt. A lot of salt. Actually, knowing that puts me at risk of eating homemade Play-Doh because I am addicted to salt, y'all. Anyway, so what happened in this story is that there was a dog that ate some homemade Play-Doh and was exhibiting the signs of a dog that gets sick from eating grapes. The veterinarians who were treating the dog were surprised to see this because normally when a dog eats homemade Play-Doh, and yes, this happens often enough that this can be said to be a normal thing, the dog will exhibit symptoms of too much salt consumption and need fluids and show dehydration and all that kind of stuff. In this case, though, as I mentioned, the dog was showing the signs of grape toxicity. Well... That's because instead of using a ton of salt in the homemade Play-Doh, the owners made it replacing salt with cream of tartar which contains tartaric acid. Tartaric acid is also something that is naturally found in grapes and raisins, since raisins are just dried up little grapes. Veterinary toxicologists are really excited about this early finding, as if it is confirmed, and keep in mind, this has not been peer-reviewed yet. It is one example, but it is very interesting. Uh, This could lead to better testing, treatment, and prevention of these issues in dogs. How awesome is that? And finally, on today's newscast, I want to remind you about all of the animal holidays going on right now. Keep in mind that it is Adopt-A-Ferret Month, National Frog Month, National Pest Management Month, and Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Month. I super love that one. And also, the week that you are listening to this, remember it is Bat Appreciation Week and Be Kind to Spiders Week. Two animals that I love and have featured on the podcast that probably have some of you shivering right now. But hey, it's their week. Be nice to them. Also keep in mind these special days this week. April 8th is Draw a Picture of a Bird Day and Zoo Lovers Day. We get a day, y'all. April 9th is National Unicorn Day. All right, dubious, but I'll let it slide. April 10th is National Catch and Release Day and National Farm Animals Day. April 11th is National Pet Day. Happy day, Lexi. April 14th is National Dolphin Day. And those are your animal holidays for this week. And with that, we conclude the first ever Rasafari Zoo News. What'd you guys think? You like it? You having fun with this? You got some ideas for me? You want to contribute? You want to help me find stories? Reach out at Rossafari on Facebook and Instagram. Email me at RossafariPod at gmail.com. And please tag me in some stories if you find them interesting. Make my life easier. Help me help you. Help me help you. All right. And now the last bit of news for today. Breaking news. The word credits backwards is Steiderk. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rasafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rasafari, on the web at rasafari.com, or email me directly at rasafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.